Be seated. Good morning and welcome on this cool. Good morning. We're so thankful you're here. Appreciate your being with us today as we have come together to worship our Heavenly Father. Let's go ahead and get right into our lesson this morning. As we do that, it may be hard for me and you to imagine somebody who lives in Hollywood, who has all of the fame and the fortune, the glamour and the glitter of Hollywood, how that they would be concerned with something like us here in the South, such as loneliness. But when we think about it, they are indeed concerned. Josh Whedon, the, uh, uh, the producer, the director, the actor, uh, here's a guy who, who is worried about it. He says loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. When you think about that, he may be right. Here's another, Anne Hathaway, who's an actress, said, Loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. She's concerned about loneliness. What about Waylon Jennings? He died a number of years ago now, but he was a country music singer. He says, This world that I live in is empty and cold. The loneliness cuts me and tortures me my soul. Those are some haunting words, aren't they, when we start thinking about loneliness. But you know what? When we think about loneliness, it's not just a feeling that, that may affect us. There's some research that has been done in regard to loneliness. And back in April of this year, in April of 2017, the USA Today published some statistics about loneliness that had been done, that had been um, worked on by different universities here in the United States. And here's some of the things that they found. According to the Brigham Young University, the health risk of feeling lonely as well as actual social isolation, they say, surpass those associated with obesity. You know, you hear a lot about folks who, uh, doctors and others who talk about you need to get some weight off because it's bad for your health. They found that loneliness is worse than being fat. And so when we think about that, that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? Brigham Young University also found that lacking social connections can, go, can be as damaging to health as being an alcoholic are smoking up to 15 cigarettes per day. That's some pretty bold statements, isn't it? Thinking about what is said, we've all heard about these things and the problems that we have with them all of our lives, pretty much. And yet loneliness is something that is uh, surpassing even that. The University of Chicago, a very esteemed university, says that chronic loneliness can increase the chances of high blood pressure. And so when you think about that, you know, all these other things that they say contribute to high blood pressure, such as eating salt and all those kinds of things, they said loneliness can do it as well. Here's another one from the University of Chicago. Loneliness is a risk factor for cognitive decline. What do you mean by that? Well, for those who continually stay lonely, it may be that that contributes to the, to the things that, that happen with older people, especially when their uh, memory starts to fade and they begin to have some of the things that, that are associated with Alzheimer's disease or, or some of the, the things that are related to uh, memory loss. They say loneliness is one of those things. And so when we, when we look at it, we see all of these kinds of things that can happen in our life. Again, back to the Brigham Young University, they say loneliness and social isolation are risk factors of coronary heart disease and stroke. Wow, all of these things could be surprising to us. 
But then again, back to uh, another study that was done by uh, Julianne Holt Lundstedt, uh, she said the subjective feeling of loneliness increases r- the risk of death by 26%. And so what we're talking about today, you know, has a result, or has, has uh, uh, some, uh, some things that are connected with our physical well-being in this life. But you know, as we think about loneliness, we may have been surprised by... Uh, Hollywood actors being concerned with loneliness, and we may be surprised by some of the effects that loneliness has on our physical body, but we may also be surprised about who is lonely. When we think about the things, the studies that have been done, the things that are being done, somebody said that mysteriously loneliness appears most prevalent among the millennials, found in Why Millennials Are Lonely in Forbes.com, February 9th of 2017. We would think that it would be older people who perhaps are the loneliest, uh, loneliest, but according to the AARP, American Association of Retired Persons, a a survey that they did in 2010, 3,012 adults from the ages of 45 and up were um, uh, surveyed, and 35% of those were characterized as lonely. But surprisingly, those who were older were the ones who were less likely to be lonely. Those who were 45 to 49, about 43% of them said that they were lonely, and only about 25% of those who were 70 or older said that they were lonely. In an Australian survey of 1,200 people by Galaxy Research, it was published in the Sunday Morning Herald, They said 16% of millennials felt lonely every day compared with only 7% of Generation X and 8% of the baby boomers. Just this morning as I was getting ready to come over here, I had the news turned on. And on Fox News this morning, there was this gentleman who spoke about the, uh, uh, the epidemic of loneliness That is sweeping over the millennials. That's his exact quotation. The epidemic of loneliness that's sweeping over the millennials. And so it seems that even our younger generation, and perhaps even more to to a greater extent, they're lonely. We have more people in the world today than we've ever had, and yet we have more lonely people in our world. Well, who are all of the lonely people? Well, we might see the lonely single, someone who has no one to discuss things in life with. We may see the lonely spouse living in a home with another person, living together as married people, but as two ships passing in the night. They don't ever have the opportunity or they don't take the opportunity to spend time with one another. We have the lonely survivor, the one who's fighting the loneliness after having lost someone that they've been married to for many, many years. They feel lonely due to that. We have the lonely sufferer, the one who perhaps has some sort of illness or some sort of uh, uh, a person who is, uh, you know, fighting a battle of some kind and they're having to do it alone, or at least they feel that they are. 
we have the lonely senior that sometimes is the one who is shut in and has no opportunity to be out with other people and thus they are confined at home or in some other place and they have no ability or no one to stop by and see them and thus they're lonely. And then I added one, we have the lonely socials. Those who are able to be out, those who have the means of being out, but they are so attached to their modern day conveniences and their modern day appliances and their modern day computers that they have more of a relationship with a microchip than they do with mankind. And so we need to be careful. We have all of these who are indeed lonely. Do you realize, maybe you do and maybe you don't, but do you realize that the very first problem that God sought to solve for mankind, even though mankind didn't even know he had it yet, the very first problem that God sought to solve for mankind was the problem of loneliness. In the book of Genesis chapter 2 at verse 18, then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. I want you to think about that word alone for just a moment. The word alone literally means in his separation. In other words, without one who is like him, separated from those who are like him. We understand the word better by looking in the book of Exodus chapter 24 verse 2. And as God is calling Moses up to the mountain, God says, Moses alone, the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2 at verse 18, Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, and the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. It's just Moses in his separation, Moses by himself, Moses alone that is to come up to the Lord. You know, when we're experiencing loneliness, we're experiencing the separation, if you will. We're in our separation from other people. It may be that we're in a crowded room and still lonely. We're separated for some reason, at least in our own mind, from those who are like us. And so we experience what we call loneliness. I want us to understand today that a man by the name of Elijah is said to be alone. If you were listening this morning to the reading that uh, Zach did for us, there were two times that he mentioned in uh, the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 that, Mo, that Elijah said that he was alone. When God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied to God and said, I alone am left. I'm the one who's been serving you and I alone have been doing that. If you're reading from the English Standard Version, I only, but it's the same word that God used to say about Adam that it was not good for him to be in that state. It was the same word that is used in regard to Moses when he was to come up on the mountain. And Elijah feels as though he is separated from mankind that he is the only one who is left. And so he experiences this concept of loneliness. We talk about Elijah and how uh, Elijah goes through so much and being uh, depressed and all of those kinds of things, but it stems from his loneliness that he had, his aloneness, if you will, that he has. The other time that he says that is when he calls the people of Israel together 
in the contest that he has with the prophets of Baal, and he expresses to them that he alone is the one who is left. And so as we look at him, the Bible speaks about how Elijah was alone. So how do we defeat the problem of loneliness? As we think about Elijah, the Bible says in the book of James that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was just like us. He experienced things in the same way that we do. He, he, he lived life like we do here on this earth. He has the same nature as us. And since he has that same nature as us, as us, would it not stand to reason for us that if we want to solve the problem of loneliness, that the things that Elijah used to solve or God used to solve the problem of loneliness for Elijah, that alone feeling that he had, thinking that he was the only one left who served God, that if we could grasp some of that, if we could understand some of that, then it might help us. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about four things that helped Elijah, God used to help Elijah to get out of his alone situation that perhaps will help us as well. What is the first thing? Well, in order for us to defeat loneliness, we have to grasp some things. I want you to remember what the reading was this morning in 1 Kings chapter 19 at verse number 15 beginning. The Bible says in that passage, the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness. Or let me back up, verse 15. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, <clears throat> let me back up one more time. It's nine that I'm wanting. Verse number nine. There at Horeb, the mountain of God, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Two times God would ask that same question, What are you doing here, Elijah? He asked it in verse number 9 and verse number 13. What are you doing here? Elijah had fled from the people, from the king, from the queen, and he had gone out by himself into the cave. And God comes to him, the voice of God comes to him and says, what are you doing here? I want you to think about what God is asking him there. God knew what he was doing there. He's hiding. God knows what, uh, what all he is facing. God knows that Queen Jezebel is going to put him to death if she possibly can. She's, she said, you know, by this time tomorrow you're going to be dead because I'm going to send somebody out and kill you. Elijah flees from that. But God asked him, what are you doing here? It's not that God didn't know. He knew, but he wanted Elijah to come to grips with what he was doing there. What are you doing here, Elijah? He had to grasp what God wanted him to grasp. You know, we have to grasp the fact sometimes that loneliness is real. There's sometimes that folks will deny their loneliness because they just don't think it, it can happen to them. It's not right for them. But loneliness is a real thing. Not only that, we have to grasp the reasons for our loneliness. Let me share three with you. One of the reasons that we're lonely, perhaps, is because we're sometimes broken hearted 
from loss. That's the, the one who has lost a loved one who has been with them by their side for so many years. The loss of a child or, or some other loss that they experience in life. The loss of a job even. Sometimes we are lonely because we're broken hearted from loss. Sometimes we're lonely because we've been abused and rejected. There's so many children who are lonely because their parents say you'll never amount to anything. They're made fun of by their parents. Uh, other children will say to them, we just don't want you around. You can't be a part of our team. You can't be a part of our club. You can't be a part of the things that we do. And so they feel abused and rejected. Sometimes we're lonely because we're unable to fit in. And you know, when we're in that condition, maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, well, am I the problem? That may be that, that we're not the problem. It may be that others are the problem around us, but it wouldn't hurt us to ask ourselves, are we the problem? Am I an unforgiving person who is hard to live with when someone has done something and they have repented and they've asked me to forgive, but I would rather stay separated than forgive? Am I an unforgiving person? Am I too critical or too demanding that people don't want to be around me, don't want to have a part in my life? Sometimes it may be that we have to ask ourselves, are we the problem? You know, sometimes we're unable to fit in because if you notice a lot of times people with a very high IQ, they, they really don't have a whole lot of social skills sometimes, and so it's hard for them to make friends. Is it possible that we fit into that kind of category? There are many in our world who do. What about this? As we think about it, sometimes people don't fit in because they have an abnormal fear of being rejected. And so what they do in essence is reject people first. They separate themselves from others before they themselves can be rejected. We have to ask, are we able to fit in and if we find that there are some changes we need to make, perhaps if we'd make those changes, loneliness would be cured. We have to come to grips with some things. We have to grasp why we're lonely. But number two, to defeat loneliness, we also have to go. Again, back to, to what uh, Elijah was told by God, this time in verse 15 that I tried to read a couple of times before, but in verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And then he talks about uh, the other king, and, and then Elisha as well. You see, Elijah had to go back to work, doing the things that he was supposed to be doing. He had to go. That's what God told him to do, is go, go back. You know, for some who are living with loneliness today, we need to go back to living after the loss, don't we? That may be hard to do. It may be sometimes almost impossible for us to continue on with our life, but we have to go back to living. I'm not saying this morning that we're not to take time to grieve, for we should. And for some, it takes longer for the grieving process to heal itself than it does for others. But we need to go back to living. Many of you, especially those of us who are older, may remember the name Lee Iacocca. 
The Iacocca is pretty much known for being the head of Chrysler. But before he became the head of the Chrysler uh, car company, he was the head of the Ford, the president of Ford Motor Company. And you may or may not know that one of the biggest surprises that he had in his life, he said in his book, was that he was fired from his job at Ford. And, and he said that surprise wasn't from being fired from the high-powered uh, position, but it's what happened afterward. Mr. Iacocca said in his book, he said, uh, I was hurting pretty bad. I could have used a phone call from someone who said, let's have coffee. But most of my friends deserted me. It was the greatest shock of my life. You know, we who are seeking to walk with those who are lonely, who have experienced loss, we don't need to desert them. But the point I want to make is this. If we're thinking about going back to living, what if one of your friends, what if someone who has stood by your side for a number of years after your loss were to ask you, like Mr. Iacocca said, nobody asked him, but what if they were to ask you, let's go have coffee? Would you go? Would you go? Some people won't because they simply have not learned to go back to living. And so we need to examine ourselves and, and understand that God wanted Elijah to go back to work. We may need to go back to living. For others, it may be that we need to go back to a more relational way of doing things. You know, I mentioned a while ago uh, how so many in our world today have uh, such a relationship with technology Maybe we need to build our relationships with people rather than secluding ourselves with a techno gadget that stands between us and a real relationship with another human being. You know, there, there are a lot of good things that can be done through the technology that we have. We can reach people all the way on the other side of the world in a split second. We can communicate with them just like we're communicating this morning. You know, we could talk back and forth to someone on the, on the very far side of the earth, just like we are here. But sometimes we have taken the gadgets that we have and we try to build a relationship. And the relationship is hidden behind the gadget. Or inside the gadget probably is the, the best. We see the picture and not the person. We don't have time to have that interpersonal relationship that we need to have. Even though we're able to communicate in 140 characters, or, or we're able to snap a picture and send it automatically, instantaneously, or, or we're able to post our thoughts and our feelings, even what we had for supper and when we went to the bathroom on Facebook. And people all over the world can see it and read it. The relationship we have with our friends, quotation marks, are not the same as the relationship we have with our friends. I've mentioned this morning already that one of the most lonely groups in our world today is the millennials. 
I mentioned the idea that was presented on Fox News this morning by the guy. He didn't know I was going to preach on this. He didn't know he was going to get mentioned in this sermon. But he talked about that epidemic of loneliness sweeping the millennials. Is it because we have not built relationships? We are not relational? Even though we can have a relationship of sorts with people all over the world? Those friends that we have on Facebook, most of them can't drop by when we're sick. They can't bring us a meal if we need one. They couldn't stand by our side and hold our hand as we stand at an empty grave. They're not able to do the things that real people do. And so as we look and we think, maybe we need to go back to that more relational way of doing things. But at the, the point of it is this, God told Elijah to go. Where we need to go may be what we need to figure out. But sometimes we need to understand that we do need to go. But number three, to defeat loneliness, we have to gather. Again, I want you to remember, Elijah was lonely because he thought he was the only one standing for God. But did you notice what God told him to do again, beginning in verse 15? The Lord told him, he says, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you're to find three people. You're to find the king that you're to appoint over Syria, you're to find the king you're to appoint over Israel, and you're to find the man who you're going to appoint to be over your business, in your stead. You're to find these people, but even more than that, God reminded him of something else in that very same reading. In verse 18, God reminded him, there are 7,000 people like you out there. People who have not worshipped Baal. People who have not turned their back on me. Do you think God just told him that just so it'd have a number? Or because he was able to associate with those people to be encouraged by them and to be encouraged by the fact that there were many of them who were out there. Amen. You see, the church is God's family today for the lonely. We need to gather with God's people. I want you to listen to a couple of passages of Scripture, one found in the book of Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 46 and going through verse number 50. Listen to what the Bible says, and let's make application of it. While he, that's Jesus, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to a man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, Jesus hadn't lost his mind like his brothers at least thought that he had. But he asked that question, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? The Bible says in verse 49, and stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. And then he said in verse 50, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, his disciples, the ones who were obedient to God, 
They were his family. You need to remember at the time that his mother and brothers were standing outside, his brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't believe that he was the Son of God. But those people who were inside, who were listening to him with their ears and were ready to obey him, they were the ones who were his family, his true family. And so it is with us today. That's what God wants us to be. No wonder the Bible speaks about the church as being the household, the family of God. And how we're to be brothers and sisters in Christ and how Jesus Himself is, if you will, our elder brother. We have a relationship with one another so that we can have a cure for loneliness for the one who has lost a loved one, for the one who is hurting, for the one who is experiencing loneliness because there are no friends around. We have the Lord's church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Everybody knows verse 25, not forsaking the assembly. Most of us could quote it, but what about verse 24? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To be there for each other. That's what he says. One of the reasons we're gathered here today is to worship God, but another reason is so that we can encourage one another. Amen. Why? We're a family. We're not a bunch of strangers, or at least shouldn't be. We're a family to help us during our lonely times. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44, You've heard this verse hundreds of times, I'm sure. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You know, one of the things that's necessary to having relationships to keep us from being lonely in life is to have the, uh, a group of people that have the same, that we have an affinity to. Uh, in other words, we have the same interests. And that's what we have with the Lord's church as Christians. See, the Bible says the early church had all things in common. Obviously, when you read the passage, they had come together to help those who were in need in a physical and financial way. But the early church had more in common than just earthly goods. How do I know that? In the book of Titus, chapter 1, at verse 4, the Bible speaks about the common faith that we have. In the book of Jude, verse number 3, only one chapter there, Jude writes about the common salvation that we have. You see, those of us who are gathered here this morning as God's children, we're to have all things in common. We have an affinity for each other because we have the same interest. One of the greatest interests is for us when we see someone weeping to weep with them. To see someone laughing to laugh with them. To see someone hurting to hurt with them. To see someone celebrating to celebrate with them. And you know when that takes place? 
When that happens, that's a little cure for loneliness. Because I have someone to share my life with. And so we need that in our lives. Back in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, the wise man wrote these words. He said, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who's alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken, keeping loneliness away from us. Good friends, may I ask you a question this morning? During your darkest days, do you ever rely on your Christian brothers and sisters to help pull you through? And I know many will answer yes. And I can't imagine someone who doesn't have a Christian family when they're going through the difficult days. But the sad thing is that sometimes even those who are part of the family of God in their darkest days will pull themselves apart, away from God's people. You see, it's sort of said when we're thinking about Elijah, God tells him to go and gather with his people. But number four, to defeat loneliness, we have God. Do you remember the part of the reading this morning that Zach did? Go stand outside the mount, on the mount, Elijah was told. He's going there to wait on God. You know, the Bible says the wind blew so much that it blew rocks apart. And the earth quaked. And a massive fire came. God wasn't in them. But as the English Standard Version puts it, in the whispering voice, God spoke to Elijah. Now we're utterly amazed at the wind and the earthquake and the fire, even the whispering voice. But the point we better not miss is God went, I mean, Elijah went to find God. He wrapped himself in his mantle, covered his face because he was in the presence of God. We need God in our life, don't we? All of us understand that. When, that, when Elijah found God, God was there to help him. You know, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote and said, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it might not be charged against them. Must have been a lonely time for Paul as he's being tried because of his preaching and people left him. His brothers and sisters left him. But there's verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. How? God was there with him. 
Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, Since we then have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus passed through as our great high priest, but according to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, you continue reading verse 15, He experienced everything that we experienced. And so it is with God, we're right back to the one who sought to solve our problem of loneliness before we ever even knew that we had it. The feeling of loneliness is often a struggle, even for people of faith. But God's always near. The church is always here for you. From the very beginning, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. We can understand that God will never forsake us, for He said as much in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, when He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But God also provided for us by giving us a family, not only a physical family into which we were born, but for those who are Christians, we have that spiritual family. Brethren, we better not let it be a name only. It better be an action, hadn't it? We haven't cured loneliness this morning. But we've given some guidelines that will help us to get out of loneliness. But one of the things that we have to know is that in order for loneliness to be cured, action must be taken. Sometimes on our part, sometimes on the part of others who are around us. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, if we want to solve the loneliness problem, are we willing to take action? Our problem or the problems of others, the loneliness problem, are we willing to take action? It may be this morning that as an individual, you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. And as a result of that, like the Gentiles of old, as we're told in the book of Ephesians, you're without Christ, without God in your, in your life. But you can have Him today. You can be in Christ and have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. Maybe you need to be baptized into Him today. If that's the case, we'd love to assist you with that based on your faith in Him, your willingness to repent in the confession that you'll make that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Maybe you're here and you're separated from Him. Don't remain in that separation. Because in that separation from Him, you will one day find yourself separated from Him for an eternity. Oh, what a lonely time that would be. But it doesn't have to. If you need to respond in any way to the Lord's invitation this morning, why don't you come right now as we sing? There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste, to its bring. Tis the fount of love from the source above, and He bids us all freely drink. 
Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam from the throne of life. Now it flows while the waters roll. Let the weary soul hear the call that for freely goes. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a rock that's cleft, and no soul is left that may not its pure water share. Tis for you and me, and its stream I see. Let us hasten joyfully there. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul. Hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. Thank you, Mark, for the lesson. We appreciate it. Please remember this evening, 5 o'clock for our service. Tonight is Trunk or Treat. Please come and be a part of that. Also, after Trunk or Treat, we will have a fellowship meal or snack or whatever you want to call it. We'll get together, plan on being present for that. Okay, yeah, either try to park up here on this uh, side of the building in this parking lot and keep this back here uh, open for the trunk or treaters, those that will be decorating their cars and so forth. Uh, so try your best, unless you're participating in that, not to park there, but park on the side of the parking lot here. Thank you for being here again. Appreciate so much everyone being present. Connor will lead us in one more closing song. After that, we will be dismissed by Mike Wolf. Connor. <laughs> When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, 
Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath Bear with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've had this opportunity here now to worship you and pray that we might all have worshiped you in spirit and truth. Be with us now as we go out in our sundry ways. Pray that we might be good examples of you <clears throat> as we leave and until the time we come back again.